Okay, good morning and welcome to Faith Center Ministries. Uh, we're remembering uh, individuals that have either passed away or loved ones of individuals that have passed away. And so we want you to put in your prayers. Uh, Garen and Betty Hardy, he's administrative assistant to Bishop Ely. Uh, his son passed away. Uh, his name was Frederick. And... Uh, and he's the son of Garen and Harden. So continue to lift him up in prayer. I also want to lift up in prayer uh, Lenore Thurman's aunt that passed away in Louisiana. Uh, they had the funeral already, and so she is back home, we believe, safe and sound. And so we're praying for her family uh, that the blessing of the Lord will be with them. Uh, we continue to pray for them. Uh, we're also praying for individuals that are taking the uh, vaccines. Pray they have courage and wisdom and knowledge and they will act accordingly and do what is necessary to do in this particular time. We ask you to excuse our sitting on tonight, on today or this morning, but uh, we're going to make it just like a fireside chat uh, if uh, you don't mind on this Sunday morning. And may the blessing of the Lord. This is Communion Sunday. We will have communion so you can be getting those items together and uh, we'll worship the Lord together in the communion uh, worship uh, spirit. So, praise God. With that in mind, I thank God for what he is doing with the uh, vaccines and how the uh, COVID-19 uh, deaths and hospitalizations have decreased and uh, matter of fact one county i think was san Bernardino county in one day reported no deaths and so we're thankful for that and thankful for the lord's progress and what he is doing uh, in keeping us all safe and may the blessing of the lord be with you and may you be strengthened by the word of the lord and so today praise god as we go into the word of the lord let us pray Father, we thank you for our gathering here this morning. We praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for our loved ones. We thank you for our families, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for those that are blessed to be around us. And may they be, oh God, multiplied. And may the strength of the Lord be given to them. And may they be able to, oh God, withstand the enemy and whatever he throws at them. And so, Father, we are thankful and we're grateful. And may the saints of God not be discouraged, but let them be encouraged and lifted up, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, thank God. Amen. Well, tonight uh, or today, uh, we're going to be studying in the work of the Lord and speaking from the book of James, uh, the, fourth, the second chapter, verses 14 through 26. James, the second chapter, Verses 14 through 26. In the beginning of the ministry of Christianity, uh, beginning of the worship of the Lord without Jesus' presence being there, uh, were some troubling times, some trying times, and times in which they had to resolve issues. Uh, the Jews that had accepted Jesus Christ uh, were contending that uh, the people that were accepting Jesus from the Gentile uh, race or base was 
to obey the rules of the Jews. Well, that was not what Jesus intended for the Jews uh, to dominate the uh, salvation of Christians and to enforce their doctrines and cults and uh, traditions into the Christian new faith. The Christian faith was a liberating faith. It was a faith that did not uh, or was not stemmed or steeped in tradition or culture. But it was Jesus trying to liberate the people and free them to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so putting all of these restrictions and conditions on people would bring them back into bondage. And Jesus was all about making people free. And so in this second chapter of the book of James, starting with verse number 14, James begins to write this statement. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Faith without works. The subject today is faith and works. So we'll talk about faith and we'll talk about works and how the two work together so that the will of the Lord is accomplished. Oh, bless his holy name. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith, but have not works, can faith save him? I may add a word, alone, save him. Then he gives an illustration of a problem with faith alone. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So in other words, if a person is hungry and you have food in your pantry or on the table or whatever the need is or desire, the supply is, and they say they're in need and they're hungry, what good is it to you to tell them, go and be blessed? if you have the food and the things necessary for the body to meet the need. And so James is saying here, why then do you say faith is sufficient when at this particular time some deeds need to be done in order to supply the needs of those individuals in want? Just saying to them, faith, have faith in God or trust God or believe in the Lord is insufficient when you have what it takes to meet the need. There's no need in praying and asking God to give you what it takes to meet the need if you already have what it takes to meet the need. So James is trying to argue here or display, uh, even so, let's compare it, he said, faith without if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So he's saying faith requires something to happen, something else besides that, and I'll give you that in a moment. We'll come back to that. 
Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So believing in one God, just because you have faith enough to believe in one God, don't boast because the devil also believes in the one God. Would thou know, o vain man, that faith without works is dead? And dead people and dead things cannot do anything. So, thou believes there is one God, and thou doest well. But, but wilt thou, but will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? In other words, what you do is greater than what you say. What you do backs up what you say you believe. Your deeds that you do testify to what you believe. Your deeds that you do testify to what you believe. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. He's not arguing against Paul. He's not saying anything against Paul. Paul tells us, praise God, that it takes faith for us to be saved. We have to believe. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Hmm. Ponder that for a moment. Faith without works is dead. Faith is the Bible says, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But you can see faith in action. You can see people by what they believe, by watching what they do. We saw the disciples right after the resurrection of Jesus, when the women came to say to the disciples, he is alive, he is risen, he's not dead. And what did they do? They didn't believe. And they demonstrated their unbelief by saying, praise God, you must be sick or you must be in error or their deeds backed up what they believed. They didn't believe what the women were saying. They told the women they didn't believe what they were saying. And so their actions validated their beliefs. And so each of us today, our actions validate our beliefs. Our actions validate our beliefs. And we take two, it takes two things to make it come to pass. Faith is like a three-legged stool. Faith is like a three-legged stool. First of all, you need to hear the word. That's number one, you need to hear the word. You can't believe in what you do not hear. You cannot receive what you do not hear. And that's the second thing, is that you must receive and believe what you hear. 
So you, first of all, you have to hear it. Then you have to believe it and receive it. And then lastly, the third leg is you have to do it. There is no such word in the Greek language as believing but not doing. There is no such thing in the, believe, in the Greek vocabulary that says a person can't believe and not do. If you do it, you believe it. If you believe it, you do it. If you don't believe it, you don't do it. And that's what the goal and the thing was. You either accept that Jesus Christ is alive, he has the power to do the healing and deliverance, he has the power to save to the uttermost, or you don't believe it. If you receive it, then you receive the gift of God that comes through grace. For in Ephesians, the second chapter, Ephesians, the second chapter, verse number eight, the Lord says to us, <coughs> Ephesians two and eight. It's a scripture that everybody probably should know that is in Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. So faith is the foundation of our belief in Jesus and our belief that he rose from the dead, and that he got up and that he died for our sins, and that we are found guiltless because of our faith and confidence in the death of Jesus Christ who died for our sins. Now we believe that. So if we believe that Jesus died for our sins, then our actions and our works should follow. Now we need to clarify what he's talking about by works. He's not talking about everyday ordinary works. He's talking about works that come through the law. Works that come through the law. What are the works that come through the law? First of all, there is the initial one that everybody that is of Christ or in Judaism. At the eighth day, they circumcise every male child. Now that lets them know, praise God, that they are covenants. They are in covenant with God. And the symbol of that covenant with God was circumcision. And so... That let people know, if you circumcise your son, then that let people know that you were believing what the scripture said in terms of the covenant that God made with Abraham, and we are under the Abrahamic covenant. And you believe that because you circumcise your son. If you do not circumcise your son, then there's an indication or belief that you do not believe that your son has to be circumcised in order to meet the covenant agreement with God. That's what it says. That's what you're saying when you don't do. It, it expresses what you believe in your heart and in your mind. People can say all along, I believe in giving. I believe in sharing. I believe in uh, this and that and the other, helping the poor. I believe in, in, in doing all of these things. 
Okay, if you believe all these things, then where are the deeds that back up and validate what you believe? Do you walk by hungry people and not ever give them anything? I know there are times when you don't do it and you don't have to do it, but sometimes if you believe it, then you ought to be able to do something sometime in your life to give to the poor, to share with what you have with the poor. But if you never give to the poor, then how can you say you believe in sharing and gifting to the poor? You cannot say you share and give to the poor if you never give to the poor. So what he's saying is those deeds that you're doing, they're not deeds that cause you to bring, to have faith and salvation. You do those deeds because that is what you believe. That's what you already believe. That's what you've already accepted. That's what you've already conditioned into your life and programmed into your life and made it happen in your life. Faith and works. Faith alone, by simply saying that I believe, I believe, I believe, is not sufficient enough to demonstrate what you believe. Just words alone will not suffice. It takes deeds to accompany words. And that's why the scripture says in that three-legged prong, he says, uh, number one, you hear the word. And the scripture says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you have to hear it. You have to hear it. There has to be a proclaimer, a preacher. And then when I say preacher, don't confuse me by a preacher uh, in terms of our understanding of preachers, because all that means is someone who proclaims. Someone who proclaims the word of God. So the first leg of the stool is you have to hear. You have to hear what thus said the Lord. Hear what thus said God. Hear the word of the Lord. Know what God is saying through his word and through his prophet and through his preacher and through his proclaimer and through the person. And these why I say proclaimer because that means that includes everybody. Women, children, men, anybody and everybody can be a proclaimer as long as they have Christ inside of them. And Christ is doing the speaking through them. Remember, the word of the Lord says, it is he that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So in other words, he's saying, if Christ is dwelling in you, there'll be some signs that what you do reflect what he desires of you to do and what he commands you to do. You can't, praise God, say you love Jesus and then hate your brother. You can't say you love Jesus, then hate your loved one. No, the love of Christ constrains us to love one another and to love each other as he loved us. And that's what the word of God says. If you love God and you claim that Jesus is in you, then you're going to do what Jesus did to demonstrate that you really believe in what Jesus said, in the doctrine that Jesus preached. So you have to hear that. And then the second thing is you have to receive it or believe it. You have to receive it or believe it. Now, there are people that reject the word of the Lord. 
And the Bible talks about them and says the word of God did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. In other words, they did not receive it as the truth of the gospel. They did not receive it as gospel of, uh, the gospel of God's word. They did not receive it as the word of God. But if you receive it as the word of God, then you're going to believe it. And if you believe it, that's going to take you to the third leg, which is you do it. Okay, so we have we hear it, we receive it, and then we do it. We hear it, we receive it, and then we do it. We hear it, we believe it, we receive it, and then we do it. So you can't say, I love the Lord, and then don't do it. And never associate yourself and never read the word, never study the word, never find out more about God, never try to find out who God is, never try to praise him and magnify him and lift him up and to give him glory and to worship the Lord. How is it that you can say, I love the Lord, and then you don't demonstrate any characteristics of loving? It's like telling a person that in life, I love you, I love you, I love you but I never do anything for you. I love you, I love you, I love you. It's easy said, easy to speak, but then what about the doing? Well, the scripture tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So here we are, praise God, with that threefold stool. And here we are now, and if any one of those legs the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the doing is absent, then faith will not work. Faith will not be accomplished. Faith cannot do what it is designed to do because it's operating as a three-legged stool. And anytime anybody knows if you try to stand up a three-legged stool with only two legs, you're going to have a problem. You know you're going to have a problem because the, the requirement for that stool is to have all three legs extended out and meeting the ground to support the weight that is there. With absence, the absence of any one of those legs will cause that stool to fall over and they will be unable to perform and do what is designed to do. And that's the same thing with faith. If any one of the legs of faith are not there, then faith cannot work. Faith will not work because it requires all three to be present in order for faith to work. Faith will work if we meet the needs and meet the requirements of faith. Oh, glory to his name. Now, let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. Let's talk about the law. The law and what the law could not do and tried to do in terms of helping us become saved. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. That's what Jesus does. He freed us from the law of commandments, the law of the law of Moses, 
the freedom from all of those rituals and conditions and stipulations and uh, things that are to be done. He freed us from all of those and replaced it with the spirit. He replaced the law with the spirit. For the law was weak in that it was operating through the flesh. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in, oh, in all who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's like faith. If it doesn't have the threefold legs holding it up, then God it will not be able to perform. So your faith won't be able to perform. So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. But another scripture says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. So if we don't have the faith and the deeds to back up the faith, that validate the faith, that show that you really do believe what you say you believe, if you don't love people, if you don't treat people nice, if you don't be kind to people, if you don't reach out to people, if you don't see people in need and try to meet those needs, if you, try, if you don't express the love of God through you to them and express and be a representative of Jesus to the people, then people will ask, well, where is your faith? What is the good of your faith if it does not help or prosper people? And what they are doing. Hebrews the 10th chapter. Hebrews the 10th chapter. Verse number 1 through verse number 10. And I'm going to try and wrap this up. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually to make the comers there unto perfect. The law of commandments, the law of tradition, the law of customs, the law of culture, the law, those are not the laws of God. Those are laws that were instituted to help man to become a better man, a better person, a better individual. But they were not the laws that were going to bring them to salvation. There's only one law that's going to bring you to salvation. And that is the law that comes through grace and faith through Jesus Christ. That will bring you into salvation. All these other things like sacrificial lamb, sacrificial offerings, gift offerings, love offerings, all those kind of things. Those things do not or not a part of the plan of salvation. There are things that we do to be better people, but they're not part of the plan of salvation. They're not requirements of salvation. And so God is now trying to steer his people in the right direction so that they leave the principles of the law 
of sin and death to the principles of life and love of the spirit. For they that worship me must worship me how? In spirit and in truth. God wants spiritual and truthfulness. And that's what he's saying here in this 10th chapter. When Jesus is coming on the scene. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that their worshipers once purged would have had no more conscience of sin. By the slaying of animals and making animal sacrifices and bringing sin offerings and all of these other offerings that were offered and remembering days and weeks and uh, glory to God, they worship once purged would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Because once a year, the high priest had to go in, remind the people of their sins, remind them they are sinners, remind them that I'm going in to make this sacrificial offering for you. And every year they would do that. But Jesus, once he made one offering for sin, and for your salvation and for your gift, did away with all the other sacrificial offerings that were required by the law. And he only said, now, this is the requirement. This is what Jesus said. But in those scriptures, there is remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Therefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. This is Jesus talking. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, then said I, and this is what God wants. This is what God is looking for. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, and this is the key phrase, to do thy will, O God. That's the reason why I come, to do thy will, O God. Not to make a sacrificial offering, not to lay down uh, offerings, praise God, that are been made before and made last year and the year before that and but praise God I've come to do thy will above when he says sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not neither has pleasure therein which are offered by the law law of man then said he lo I come to do thy will O God he taketh away the first that he may establish the second the first was a gift required by the law. And Jesus came along and said, no, 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 let's change this. It's no longer law required. It is by spirit led that I offer the sacrifice. Whenever you give, whenever you do, whatever you uh, try to do, it is the spirit of God leading you and directing you that gives you the ability to do his will. For without God's will, I mean, spirit in you, you can't do his will. It is he that dwells in you, that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he convicts you. He doesn't condemn you. He convicts you when you miss the mark. It makes you feel guilty. It makes you bring the voice of the Lord comes and you hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you. It's difference between the law of the spirit and the law of the flesh. 
the law of the spirit leads and guides and directs and leads you into the pathway of righteousness for his name's sake. But the pathway of sin, I mean a flesh law, leads you to remembrance that you are a sinner. But now God has freed you and delivered you from that. He's delivered you from the law of sin and death. Sin, you die. Sin, you pay the price. Sin, the judgment is passed upon you. Sin, you got to go and suffer. Sin, and these things will happen to you. Now we're under grace. The law of grace and the law of life and the law of mercy. In judgment, there is no mercy. You just you judge a person. You, if the judge says, praise God, and that's what these laws are when, when the judge says, I'm commanded, I have to do this, this is what the law stipulates that I do, there's no room for mercy. But in the law of the life in Christ Jesus, there's plenty of room for mercy. And we're all experiencing the mercy of the Lord and the grace of the Lord. So how can you say that you love your brother and still hate him? How can you say you love God and still hate your brother? You can't because the love of God is in you. And the love of God is walking inside of you, directing you to love one another as I have loved you. To love as I have loved you. To keep his commandments and do his will. How can I keep his commandments when I don't know him? I, don't, I haven't heard them. That's why I said I've sent preachers and I've sent proclaimers and people that will preach to you the gospel so you can not only hear the gospel, but you can receive it and believe it. And when you receive it and believe it, you're able now to get up and do it. Not just hear it, but you'll be able to do it. You'll be doers of the word and not hearers only. So may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with you henceforth now and forever. And as we go into this communion service, we don't do it by the commandment of the law. We do it from the commandment of the Spirit. And Jesus said, this do ye as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Not to make you saved, not to bring salvation to you, not to bring life to you, but I'm simply instituting this that you remember, I died for you. I died for your sins. I died for you to live and to be free from the law of sin and death. Free to lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Free to praise him. Free to magnify him. Free to give him glory. Free. And don't let anybody steal your salvation from you by bringing you into bondage or bring you into captivity. You're free. Jesus died to make you free. Jesus died that you might have life and that more abundantly. Jesus died for you. And since he died for you, guess what? You're his child. You don't belong to anybody else and nobody else can direct you or condemn you or say anything awful or bad about you. How dare they judge another man's servant? You belong to Jesus. You belong to God. And remember that that's who you belong to. The law and faith. Faith keeps you 
And because you are saved, you do the things of salvation. You do the things that make people happy. You do the things that make, make people have better lives. You do those things, not to be saved, but because you are saved, because you've been transformed by the power of the loving God, living God that lives inside of you. May the blessing of the Lord be with you. May he rest upon you and may you enjoy this first Sunday in the month of June. And may the blessing of the Lord be with you. Read upon it, study upon it. We'll be speaking, speaking more about it as we go into the midweek studies. We go into the word of the Lord. And knowing that deeds that he's talking about today are not the deeds of commandment, but they're the deeds of the Spirit that leads you and guides you into all truth. It frees you from the bondages that you've been in. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We magnify you and we lift you up. We give you the highest praise. And we thank you, Lord. Somebody out there, oh God, is sitting at the crossroads, sitting in the valley of decision, sitting Oh God, in that place where they're stuck between the deeds and the love. God, we say, show them thy love. Show them thy path. Show them the way. Lead them into the pathway of righteousness for your name's sake. And God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now somebody else is going to do the offer, right?